Good morning, church family. My name is Ruby Hines. Our scripture reading today is from Luke 24 and 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's begin with the story of the first Easter reported in Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Now let us turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1, 6 through 9, and 14 through 18 as we hear about how the resurrection of Jesus can change the way we live our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote, we do not lose heart, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has made his light shine in our hearts. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with him to yourself. Therefore, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our present and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far, far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of God. That, that is the word of God. So let me begin by telling you what I've been praying about that you will experience if you come to be here at Lake uh, for this Easter service, I've been praying two things. I am praying that today you will experience the love, the presence, and the power of the risen Jesus in your life in ways that you never have before. The, uh, I'm praying that you'll experience the love of Jesus for you, whatever you brought with you, the presence of Jesus sufficient for you, and the power of Jesus, so that whatever you face when you leave church today, you'll know that the one who goes with you is greater than anything else in this world. Now, the second thing that I've been praying is this, 
that you're going to gain a new vision for your ultimate future so that as Paul wrote, you won't lose heart whatever may happen to you in this coming week for the rest of your life. Now, if that happens, don't you think it will have been worth coming to church on Easter Sunday morning here in 2019? So to those ends, I want to take you to the story of a man who had an experience with Jesus after Jesus had died. Everybody knew he had died. Then this man met him. His name was Paul. He came from the city of Tarsus that's now in south-central Turkey. I tell you that because sometimes we think about these people in the Bible, we think they're like legendary, mythic characters. He was a real human being. So I'm going to show you the way an artist depicted what he might have looked like. Believe it or not, we have a lot of people from uh, Egyptian heritage here. He kept being confused for being an Egyptian, perhaps because of his skin color or because maybe his hair was, not all Egyptians are losing their hair, but you see that, that there. Now, now, Paul was one of the best educated men in his entire world. So if it had been here in Pasadena, he would have had a PhD from Caltech, don't you think? He also almost certainly had come from um, a very, very wealthy home. He was successful from his youth on. He would have been in high school the most likely to succeed. He was an up-and-comer when he met Jesus. In fact, if you read his testimony in Philippians chapter 3, he said that he had everything that the people in his world wanted to have. He actually had it. And then one day, he met Jesus. And again, I mean, this meeting happened after Jesus had died. Uh, because he talked about this, uh, he was called in to give testimony about this in a courtroom, and he had to stand before the one who was the governor over the entire area there, a man who was Governor Felix, and also with him was their local king, a man named Agrippa. So he began giving testimony about how he had met the risen Jesus, and Felix, hearing about all of his education, and said, Paul, all of your great learning has driven you insane. <laughs> and Paul said, no, no, no. What I am saying to you is reasonable, and it is true. And Felix, you can ask King Agrippa because he's been here, and he knows that I'm not the only one, but that hundreds of people have seen Jesus after he had died. What I'm telling you about has not happened in a corner. I want you to know what, Je what, what Paul did is what I have done and what I know that many who have come to church here to do have, uh, t today have done. Namely, he put Jesus at the center of his life. He made a decision to believe that Jesus is who he said he is, namely the Son of God who can come into this world and take away our guilt and shame, who can actually make us alive to God right now and actually make life livable. Because Jesus said he came to give life to the full, as hard as this world might be. And what happened to Paul is really what I'm praying will happen to you because you came to church today. So what happened? He had met the risen Jesus. And through meeting Jesus, he had had this ongoing experience of the love, the presence, and the power of Jesus for every part of his life. And the way he put it, it, you were certainly listening to when Ruby read, right? <laughs> the way he put it twice was this. Whatever happens here, we do not lose hearts. See, knowing Jesus had sustained Paul through all that stuff that the world threw at him. And I don't know what you brought into church today, but whatever difficulties or challenges you are facing, I bet his will rival what you're facing. 
After he became a Christian, he, he would write lists of the things he was going through. And one of them is found in 2 Corinthians 11. I'll read you just a part of it. Here's what Paul said. In my life, five times I received 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once pelted with stones. Three times shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my fellow Jews and from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city and in the country and at sea. I have often gone without sleep and without food. I've known hunger and thirst. I've got to stop right here. I've got to tell you that Christians, our lives are not always like that. Right? Do you know that? I mean, and for Paul, too, it wasn't like, okay, you follow Jesus, and it's always like that. I mean, he would even give testimony to this in Philippians chapter 4 that he'd learned in his life how to abound, how to go through those times of success and getting that job and finishing that school and all these wonderful things that had happened, and he could be content. But he said, also, I've learned what it is to have need and there, too, to be content. In other words, his life wasn't dependent upon having things in this world, things that just don't last. But in Christ, he had found something that sustains him through all of this. So he wrote about this in the passage that Ruby read for us in verses 8 and 9. You heard it, didn't you? So, for Christians and non-Christians alike, but for Christians this, we are hard-pressed on, on, on every side, but not crushed. Yes, there are times that we're perplexed, but, but we're not in despair. There are times that we feel that we're being pursued, but we're not abandoned. And there are times that we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Now, I, I went to college at Wheaton College, a small school in, in Chicago. I had three people applaud in the 9 o'clock service, so there aren't <laughs> you. One, there we go. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's all fake. I can already tell. There's nothing real in that. One of my favorite professors is a man you may have heard of. His na name was Merrill Tenney. We were working on this particular passage of the Bible, and he said, you know, this is a wordplay in Paul's language because Paul wasn't writing in English, and he came up with a new way of putting it. I tried to recapture it by best in my memory. He said, here's, here's what it's like when you've actually met Jesus. Sometimes we feel squeezed. You ever felt that life is squeezing you? But with Jesus, we're never squashed. <laughs> Sometimes we feel bewildered but never befuddled. Sometimes we feel we're being pursued, but we're never abandoned. And sometimes we feel like we're knocked down, but we are never knocked out. See, that's what I'm praying, that you'll be able to experience when times get to be tough in your life. On one side, I'll tell you, when things go well in this world, uh, we enjoy them in a different way once we've met Jesus because we don't live for those things. But we know, as the Bible says, that every good gift comes from our Father. He has made it, and so we, we thank him for it. But on the other side, this is not a perfect world. Can I have a witness here? <laughs> Even Southern California, with all of our sunshine and mountain and beauty, it's not a perfect world. I just want you to know that whatever you've done in your life when you come here to church today, Jesus loves you. He knows you because there are no God-abandoned people in this world. God loves people. He loves you. And I want you to know, too, when you leave church today, God is not just here. There are no God-forsaken places in this world. 
So there's no place that when you go there, God won't be here. He's available to you there. And that's why I am praying that you're going to experience this Easter 2019, the ongoing love of Jesus for you, his ongoing presence in your life, and his power that is sufficient for what you face that when you leave here, you will know that the one who goes with you is greater than anything you're going to face in this world, even if it's death itself. That's the way that Paul put it here. I pray that you will not lose heart. So that's my first prayer for you today. And then I have a second one. I, I, I want to pray because you come here today, you're going to have a confidence about your future. That whatever's happening in the present or has happened in the past, that you will know that there is something in the future that no one and nothing can ever steal from you. That's what Paul found when he met Jesus and he gave testimony to. He had gained a vision for his future that nothing in this world could ever take away. So in the last verse that Ruby read for us, this is what he said. What is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Okay, in that first phrase, the Apostle Paul wrote about what all of us already know. Whether you're religious or unreligious. Is, is that a word? Irreligious. Whatever you are, if you've lived long enough, you have learned that those things in this world, the things that we see, the material things, they are temporary. They don't, you know that. All right, you sort of started learning it when you were a child. I just thought about my childhood. I remember this time when I wanted, I just thought at Christmas time, I wanted to get, have this bike. If I could have this certain bike, then life would be good. Mom and Dad, if you get me this bike, uh, I'll never ask you for anything again because that's all I need. Have you ever been there for, for Lunar New Year or for Christmas? You just think that's all I need to get and have it. And, and I got that bike. I think they sacrificed to get me that bike. But you know what happened? I grew out of it, or you know what can happen, it can be stolen, it can be rust, and mostly it didn't fill up my heart anyway because it wasn't a couple of days until I wanted some more stuff from my parents, right? So we learned that as children, that those things that we see, we may really want them they're, because they're often very good things, they bring us some pleasure, but they don't last, they're temporary. So here most of us are older today. You've already learned that lesson, right? Sometimes do you think, uh, there's something, I've just got to have that thing. All right, I'll just show you a picture here. I've got to show you a picture. That is, <laughs> I'm looking out here to see all you car people. If, if you, some of you are drooling. I can already, I can tell. That is a Lamborghini Veneno Roadster. Only three of those things were made. They cost over $4 million a piece. I'm telling you, can't you think of, sometimes thinking, if only I could have, have one of those. I've been trying to talk our church chair, Jim Howell, into getting one of those for me <laughs> before I leave here. If only I could have one of those, then I'll never have to ask for anything else. But I'll tell you, the same thing that happened with that bike will happen with that Lamborghini. You'll get it, and then the next day you'll see a new one being laid. You'll want that one too. It doesn't fill up your soul or... You'll always be haunted by the fact that something can take this thing away. A thief could take it. An earthquake could happen. A fire could happen and ruin it. We live in Southern California, for heaven's sakes. Those things happen here. And even a Lamborghini doesn't make it through that. Even the Notre Dame Cathedral was ravaged by a fire, though the God that it points to cannot be, and that's what Paul is talking about here. 
we try to fill up our inner beings with anything, those things are temporary. We are human beings made in the image of God. We are made for something that is eternal, and that is brought into our lives when we bring Jesus in. What we need to do, and this was the title of my message, is to get behind the scenes or beyond the scenes to the one for whom we were made. I, I think most of you here, many of you at least, know that Chris, my wife, and I have experienced some enormous losses in our lives. Um, both, all four of our parents have died, hers prematurely. We lost our middle child in infancy. I lost my 43-year-old brother when a drunk driver hit him in Laredo, Texas. I wish I could just tell you how easy it was, but can I share with you what I wrote in my journal after I looked back on my brother's death? Uh, just listen. And the difference that Christ can make that I had to apply it to my life, I wrote this. I'm learning that the way I handle the tragedies of this world is enormously affected by what I believe my ultimate future to be. Each time I am dealt a blow like Chuck's death, that's my brother, because of a man convicted three times of DUIs and released each time only to do it again, I have to ask myself whether justice will ever be served on those who do such wrongs, whether I will ever see my brother again, and whether I will once again trust that God has a plan in all this. The only sufficient answer to the evil, the pain, and the injustice of this world is that there is a life beyond this life, one in which I will see him again, one in which wrongs will be dealt with and all things will be made right. I'll tell you, at the end of the day, once you have met Jesus and really applied it to your life, that's what a believer in Jesus believes. We really believe that God is holy, that he will judge evil, so that at the end of the day, justice will be served. Uh, Courtrooms are supposed to do that. We have a lot of lawyers and a lot of judges here in our church, but sometimes they fail, right? And even if we don't get justice in the, in the courtroom, God has said that I am holy and I am just. I will make sure that all wrongs are righted. We, we believe that God, the holy, just God, is here and at work even in those hard and unjust times, and that God has the ability to step in and even take those wrongs in our world and use them to bring about his good. And at the end of the day, our ultimate future is that all evil will have been dealt with and we will live in what the Bible calls a kingdom of justice and peace where God reigns. That's what we believe. I remember when I was doing my doctoral work at Cambridge in England, um, I was reading that summer uh, as many of the... Um, Russian novels as I could, and I was reading Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoevsky. I remember I came to this one passage in it that just gripped my heart that day, and I went digging around, knowing I was preparing the sermon for it. I went digging around, and I found it. It's easy now that you can go onto Google, but here is, where, here is what Dostoevsky read. Just listen to it. I believe, like a child believes, that all suffering will be healed and made up for that all the humiliating absurdity of human contradictions will vanish like a pitiful mirage, that in the world's finale, 
something so precious will come to pass that it will suffice for all hearts, for the comforting of all resentments, for the atonement of all the crimes of humanity, for all the blood that they've shed, that God's finality will make it not only possible to forgive, but to justify all that's happened. I read that and I said, this is almost unimaginable. This morning as I was reading about the hundreds of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka whose lives were taken there simply because they're Christians, I said, how can, how can justice ever come out of this? But God declares that it will, that he even uses all things, even the hardest things in this world to bring about that kingdom that he says will be there. So here's what I've written for you. We live now working against the evil and injustice in this world, but always with the firm conviction that God works through whatever things are happening to bring about his kingdom of peace and justice. Why, he can even use a crucifixion to bring about our salvation. Does anybody else believe that? So I'll tell you. In my future, you know what I, I see? I see that I'll no longer be as imperfect as I am now. I, I think Chris prays that that will happen faster than it is, but I'm someday, I'm going to be everything God made me to be. God promises that, and you will be too. Someday, I will see my daughter Brittany again, and I'm going to see my brother Chuck too. Easter is the declaration of the fact that our Lord is greater both than the evil of this world and even the death that is part of it. I'll tell you, when you believe that death is not the end of things and that God's future is better than the past, that that's, that deeply changes everything. It will change how you face disappointment, and pain, and difficulties, and sickness, and depression, and uncertainty. That's what I've been praying for you. I have so much more I want to say, but you won't let me, so I'll just boil it down for you. <laughs> Paul experienced what I am praying you will experience here at Lake today, and then the rest of your life, namely that Jesus loves you Though he knows everything about you, he loves you, that he's ready to be present in your life, and that he is powerful enough to carry you through whatever happens in this imperfect world. And two, I am praying that you will not be shaken by whatever happens in the present because you know what the future holds. On that first Good Friday, Jesus died for us. And then on the first Easter, Jesus defeated death itself. He rose so that we can begin to live well now with the kind of life that's growing and that even physical death cannot take away because, because he is risen. We who are in him will be risen. Did you hear what Ruby read in 2 Corinthians 4.14? We know this. We know this. That the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. It's because we know this, that we as Christians gather on, on a day like this and, and, and we just say, 
Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, the way all this starts, I've got to tell you, is you've got to bring Jesus into your life. Uh, that means you've got to start by acknowledging that it's not just other people who need that, you know, forgiveness and cleansing. You need to bring all the things in your life and say, will you take that? I, I want to live for you. Because I had to come up to own that it wasn't just that drunk driver who hit my brother who God had to deal with if there's going to be justice. I had to look in the mirror and see in my own life and say, Lord, I see things in my own life that need to be given to you. And Jesus said, I've come to die for that very thing. That, that Jesus was the only one, the only one who lived the life perfectly that you and I should be living, but none of us has. But then he and he alone could do this. He could give his life in our place to make sure that what is wrong, the sin in our lives is atoned for and to declare to us, you are right with God and to make us alive to the eternal God. What he asks you to do is receive his offer and to receive Jesus into your life. Here's what we're going to do now. We're going to be having a song, and I want you to, to listen to it. It's going to be speaking about the miracles that God can do in your life because of the risen Jesus. It was a song written by a man named Chris Kalala. Um, he wrote it after a time like I shared with you, I experienced after his child had died in infancy, and he felt like he might have to give up. He wrote about how the power of the risen Lord can lift you up even when you think you'll never get back up again and could give him and give to all of us a new beginning even when we feel like sometimes we've come to an end. Have you ever felt that? So here's what I want to have happen. I'd like our pastors and prayer counselors and uh, other leaders to come to the front of our worship center. And we'll also have some come up there to the balcony. So you look for them up there in the balcony. That's what I want them to do. And they are ready just to pray with you. And here's what I'd like you to do. As the music begins to be played, I'd like you to have a fresh experience of God. Whether you've been here a thousand times or not, if you've come and you've, you're walking through any kind of a time where you say, I'd like to have a fresh touch of the reality of the risen Jesus in my life today. I'm walking through this time that I've, I, yes, I'm being squeezed, but I know that Jesus can keep me from being squashed. <laughs> I feel like I've been struck down by the things happening in this world, but I don't have to be knocked out. If you feel like that, I just want you to come and think about what you would like them to pray for you. Uh, because we don't have that much time. There are too many people here. And I'd like all of you, as many of you who possibly can come. If you're not sure that you know God through faith in Jesus, I, I just need to tell you, Jesus is ready to connect with you. It's an amazing thing. He wants to meet you right where you are so simple that even a child can do it, but I'll tell you, it takes us some courage to come and say, it's time for me to believe. It's time for me to come alive to God. So I want you simply to step out from where you are. Uh, you may say it's hard. If, if you're on the middle of the rows, uh, I just want you to find the courage to get up, and I'll just tell you this now. The people who are on the outside of the rows, they need to come for prayer too. So you might as well just tell them, you need to come too, so come right with me. Think about what you can say. This is what I want you to pray for. And then we'll just pray a brief prayer. And so praying that each one of us might have this fresh experience 
of the love of Jesus, of the presence of Jesus, and of the power of Jesus that you will find to be sufficient for whatever your future holds for you. So as the music begins, find that courage to um, stand up, to step out, and begin a new beginning with Jesus this Easter 2019. It will be to your joy. It will be to his glory. So as the music begins, come, come. We'll be ready to pray for you.